religious. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And you just heard brand new from the Plimptons from Scotland. Ocean Color Resurrection from the Plimptons. Thank you so much for sending me this record, the Plimptons. This actually is a little 45 sampler of some amazing Plimptonness. You have Ocean Color Resurrection, Could I Be Loved, Help the State, and Plimptons Rap. And the last three are brand new recordings of Plimptons classics. But we began with Ocean Color Resurrection by the Plimptons from Scotland. Coming up today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Kathy Griffin from Kathy Griffin's My D-List TV show, an interview with Lily Tomlin from the movie Nashville, as well as an interview with the Stills from Montreal, Quebec. Dishwasher. Dishwasher fanzine was put out by Dishwasher Pete. 
Now, what's amazing about Dishwater Sir Pete is that he ended up on the David Letterman show. But it wasn't really Dishwasher Pete on the David Letterman show. It was Jesse from the band The High Fives. Let me explain. Jesse from The High Fives and Dishwasher Pete are great friends, or were great friends, and hopefully still are great friends. This was, say, like about 10 years ago or something like that. Dishwasher Pete put together a great fanzine talking about him washing dishes. His goal was to wash dishes in every state of United States of America. David Letterman got hip to this and invited Dishwasher Pete on The David Letterman Show. However, Dishwasher Pete sent Jesse from the High Fives in his place to impersonate him. So David Letterman thought he was speaking to Dishwasher Pete, but in fact it was Jesse from the High Fives. And by the time Letterman found out that it was Jesse from the High Fives and not Dishwasher Pete, it was too late. However, Dishwasher Pete still cranked out many great fanzines and also a 45 called Music to Wash Dishes by Volume 1. And that's what we're going to hear right now. Selections from The Queers, 10-4, The High Fives, and Scared of Shaka. All from Dishwasher, Music to Wash Dishes by, from the fanzine Dishwasher, put out by Dishwasher Pete. Here are the Queers. If the dishes you handle are not washed at top speed, if they come out dirty or unsanitary, you, your management, and everyone you work with are in trouble. That's why your job, proper dish handling and dish machine operation, is important to any successful eating establishment.
cleanliness is the keynote of the food service industries. And cleanliness must begin with employees. Since dish machine operators come into contact with utensils and dishes on which food is served, they must be neat and clean while on the job. Friendly with busboys and other dish machine operators makes your job easier and more pleasant. Remember that teamwork and cooperation with others are essential in the food service industry. Fail. It's just the same old story of man destroying man. We've got to look up answers. 
answers to the problems of this land. We talk about Christ's power, we fight and your soul. We speak the liberation, and when the people go, well, I need people go right now and tell us what it's based. Just like that, I've said, friends, they're up with us on me. Brother, 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 brother,
not only be taken to ensure the dishes are actually clean and sanitized, care must also be taken to minimize breakage. For each broken dish represents a loss of money to your management. Excessive breakage could eliminate profit and put you out of a job.
that about sums it up. You, Mr. Dish Machine Operator, have a vital job. You can be a success if you understand your job and do it well. Part of those smiles of satisfaction belong to you. you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard from the Dishwasher 7-inch EP, Music to Wash Dishes by Volume 1, Scared of Chaka with Dish Militia. Before that, the High Fives with Secret Sodas. Before that, not from Dishwasher, Music to Wash Dishes by Volume 1, you heard Crass with Bloody Revolutions. And before that, that this was thrown in there, you heard 10-4 with Pete's theme. And before that, the Queers with Born to Wash Dishes. All again from Dishwasher Pete's 7-inch EP, Music to Wash Dishes by on 702 Records from Reno, Nevada. Coming up, an interview with the Stills from Montreal, Quebec. And here are the band that the Stills totally love called the Festones containing two members of the Stills, Liam and David. And the name of the band that they totally love and they totally play and they totally reference the Fez Tones. Fuad and the Fez Tones with Jabuti Call. Who are you? Um, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> that actually uh, wasn't that. <clears throat> this is the Jabuti Call. Jabuti Call!
are you? The Stills. And who's in the Stills? Me, Tim Fletcher, vocals, guitar. And Tim, who'd you have beside you? David Hamlin. Hello, David. Hello, Nardwar. I play guitar, and I play singing sometimes, and that's Liam. Liam O'Neill, the bearded Irish guy. He plays keyboards, and there you have El Cuervo. He's the crow. He just goes by the crow. And uh, he plays uh, the fiddle. Now, we went through this before, but Tim, you are the English muffin, right? I am the uh, Ted Carey English guy from uh, the band, yes. And Dave, you are the pepper. Uh, well, actually, our drummer's the pepper. That's why he can't even speak English. That's why he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> he, 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 uh, I mean, we, we picked him up at this, at a, at a poutine shop, uh, like six hours outside of Montreal. And, and he, he needed a job really badly because the English man was keeping him down. And so we figured we'd be, uh, we'd sort of be progressive about it and hire a French drummer. And so, yeah, but I, I am, I'm technically more of a pepper than he is. Now, what you explained to me last time when I talked to you was pepper was after Pepsi, right? Yes, yes, yes. Quebec, because a lot of people couldn't afford a Coke, so they bought a Pepsi. Yes, exactly. Pepsi was always a little cheaper. So a lot of French people were called the... Peppers. But you're saying that now with the prices being the same, it should be you're a Cokehead now. Are you a Cokehead after five years? No, I haven't. I've never done Coke. How about on a... Well, wow, I guess I was just going to say... What about, like, with Kings of... I don't really know what to say to that. That's a very honest answer. I'm, I'm, I'm not shitting you. I've never done Coke. Well, thank you for putting that out there. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dave of the... Stills. Now, that's really honest of Dave to say that because you guys have done, had a lot of opportunities to do Coke, haven't you? Yeah, we, we definitely have uh, definitely have had a lot of opportunities to do cocaine. Like opening for the Kings of Leon, I heard, though, it was described as more macaroni and cheese than Coke and Whores. Well, yes. I think you said that, didn't you? Did say that. Yeah. Uh, they don't... Uh, I don't think they do any drugs anymore. I've never seen them do any drugs. And uh, I don't know. They're kind of... Yeah, that's it. You guys right now are indulging in some tequila. See? Si. <laughs> now, is it true that you played with Incubus in Mexico? Yes, we did. We did. We opened for them, uh, like, outside. Not, not at Azteca Stadium, which is the huge football soccer stadium, but in the parking lot to, like, 10,000 people, and it started raining, and people started throwing their shoes. and Because uh, they hated us. At us. And then Incubus went on, and they loved it. And uh, it, well, it was really cool. Now, how do you know that somebody hates you when they throw something at you? I don't know. It, it could be a sign of love. At least you get an opportunity to throw shoes. Though if you're in Iraq and you're at a press conference and you're George Bush, it's really not meant as a nice thing. Now, who booked that gig, Liam? Uh, I think he did book it. He loves going to Mexico. <laughs> how did that happen, Incubus? Uh, it, it wasn't actually an Incubus show. It was just like a big festival with tons of, like, tons of bands. And we happened to play before the headliner, which was Incubus. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of the Corona Music Festival, Nardware? That was the festival we played. On your brand new CD, <laughs> you thank Jeff Stinko. Yes. From? Simple Plan. Now, why do you thank Jeff Stinko from Simple Plan? He lent us a guitar amp. <laughs> That's a good reason. Yes. I thought that was interesting because it kind of means that Dave is losing his roots, doesn't it, by thanking Jeff Stinko? Because there's other people that Dave should have thanked, right? 
wow. Okay, what reference are you getting at here? Well, I'm thinking, Dave, you thank Jeff Stinkle from Simple Plan because he helped you out, but there's some other people you should have thanked, right? I don't know. Put me on the spot. Okay, well, let me bring this up right now. This is the person that you should have thanked right now. Uh, what is happening right now? What are you wearing, and what does this allude to? I'm wearing a Fez right now, and I, I should have thanked the Fez Tones. Yes, your other band, the Fez Tones. You thank Simple Plan, but you don't thank the other band that you're in. Well, I don't know. Bobby doesn't have any amps, so I didn't thank him. <laughs> no, come on. You are on the actual record, which is amazing. There you are, rocking it out on the record, on the back of the Fez Tones. Yeah, there, hey... And also, maybe we could do a little explanation here. Tim, Liam comes over. Liam, maybe you could say something. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this record yet. So you are in this band with? With uh, Dave Hamlin of The Stills. And you're also in The? Stills. But you don't thank your other band on the liner notes. <laughs> yeah. They don't deserve it. Was Liam allowed to thank anybody on the liner notes? No. Like, <laughs> so that's a problem you could have, actually. I wanted to. So there's Liam running away with the vinyl record. Jeff Stinko is also Italian, and it's sketchy to not thank an Italian guy because you could get knifed or, you know, thrown in the river, and that, that, that really sucks. Now, what can you tell the people about the Fez Tones, if Liam could hold up the record right there for people to see? Uh, what can you tell people about the Fez Tones? Like, this is real frat party rock, and what do you do in the band? Uh, I play drums in the band, and uh, I, I don't have any drumsticks in the photo, but my... my, my, my uh, my Fez name, my Egyptian name is Lou Dacts, and uh, he's Tip Hazard. And Tim's actually on the record. Backing vocals, if you look right here, backing vocals by Tim, the Gooch Fletcher. Nice. So you make it to their thank you list. I do. <laughs> but there's no Fez tones acknowledged on your thank you list. On our, our second record, actually, because John lent us a bass. Uh -huh. John from the Gruesomes lent us a bass. But this time... We were trying to cut down on. We can't afford liner notes anymore. Like it's like the bare minimum. We have a we have a lean thank you list, and it's good to be to be lean in those things. <laughs> now you guys really love the Walk of Quebec, don't you? The Walk of Quebec. The Rock of Quebec. Yes, you love the Walk of Quebec. Yeah, we love it. Can you please explain to me the phenomenon known as Celine Dion? Nobody really can, and if they try to, they're lying. Here is a little insight into the phenomenon known as Celine Dion. What can you stills tell the people about Celine Dion's husband's band, Les Baronettes? Is that René Angelil? That is René. Wow, well, his hair is really darker. He looks like a darker gentleman than he does now, that's for sure. Because there's a lot of people that put down Celine Dion and put down René, but he's been given her, hasn't he? Mr. René has been given it. He, he, I guess he has. I guess he has. Yeah. Les yeah. Baronet. I guess he paid his dues, you know. What do you guys know about the Quebec scene? Have you started to sing in French at all? Uh, no, no. We've, we've actually been moving away from it because um, we've sort of been forgetting how to speak French, being around all these English people for so long. And uh, we're trying to, like, sort of blend in with the rest of the world. And we want to be assimilated, so the last thing we want to do is have a French song and sort of recede into the uh, French-Canadian background like our other French-Canadian uh, counterparts in other parts of the world. <laughs> when you guys go into Las Vegas, do you have any inkling to go and check out Celine's show? Uh, not really. 
Um, the first, my first inkling when I get to Vegas is how do I get the hell out of here? <laughs> what sort of experiences have you had in Vegas? There must be some great ones. Uh, well, I, I mean, I, th- I th- most of the, the, the um, casinos there, I feel hell in them and that there's portholes to other dimensions of evil when I'm in there. So I, I haven't had any really good experiences, really. But aren't they better in Canadian casinos? What do you guys think about Canadian casinos, like local casinos? They're amazing. Like racetrack sort of Windsor uh, casinos are Slot. great. We played, we played some slots with Sam Roberts last year and we all went gambling and lost our shirts. It's pretty funny. To close the... Oh, you were going to say? It's less dark. To close the chapter on Celine Dion, seriously, though, have you had any encounters? What's the closest you've got to Celine Dion or Rene? Because she has all the brothers and sisters. Is there any connection? We, we recorded our second record at a studio where... Uh, that is it is owned by their drummer. It's owned by the drummer of Celine Dion's band? Yes. She has a drummer? She didn't just sing to a tape? I guess she's got a guy that she has that she relies on. I guess so, yeah. And what was the studio like? Was there any inkling of Celine Dion? One of our fezes? No. All right. Uh, It was a really nice studio, obviously. You mentioned poutine right off the top of the interview. Yeah. What is the name of that 24-hour poutine place? Now, that is amazing. What can you tell the people at Les Banquis? Because that's an amazing. It's a 24-hour poutine place. It's got every sort of flavor, doesn't it? I live up the street from Les Banquis, and the other night I went there by myself and had a hot dog and a poutine, and it was fantastic. And uh, I an- called everybody to tell them. Another, another great thing about Les Banquis, where you can get, like, 50 different kinds of poutines, is that they'll serve you alcohol after hours. And uh, you can get a beer, like, at 4.30 in the morning with your poutine. What are the different flavors of poutine? Because it is pretty incredible, isn't it? Like, that is the major poutine place in Montreal to check out. Uh, there, there's a Mexican one with like sort of hot peppers and, and olives. I don't know why that's Mexican. Uh, there's like an Italian one, which is not that different. There's a vegetarian one. With uh, green peppers and sautéed onions. There's also one called La Galvaude, which is uh, peas and uh, chicken. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a, there's a dish in, in a Quebec dish called a chicken. And uh, it, 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 there's no, you can't even say hot chicken. It's a uh, chicken. And uh, this poutine is kind of like a uh, chicken with poutine. With poutine. Which is, oh, that's so tasty. So good. The oh. bacon one is great. Oh, bacon. bacon. I mean, everybody's got their favorite in the band, you know. You can mix them. You can mix them. And have a be- La Banquise. La Banquise. And we all live within like two blocks of this place. You guys recorded at Celine Dion's mansion or drummer's place. Yes. What about the Arcade Fire Church? Is there any chance you guys get in there? Don't they have like this giant church? Are they sharing the wealth, the Arcade Fire? I think they're sharing. I think, I think they kept it to them. I think they burnt the church down after they recorded their record there. So nobody could even come close to being as inspired as them. So they had to just... They torched it and got rid of the evidence so they could keep their secret. Am I dreaming? Isn't there some arcade fire church? Don't they have some secret studio? Is there some secret studio? Um, I think it's in the countryside, maybe in the eastern townships or in the states or something. And they have a church, I think, where they record. But uh, evidently, we're not uh, privy to that kind of information, man. Okay, what's the closest you've got to the arcade fire then? The closest you've got to Celine Dion is the drummer of Celine Dion. What's the closest you've got to the arcade fire? I think we were... we. I went to a New Year's party in at Mount Sutton, which is in the Eastern Townships, and their church is in the Eastern Townships, and I think I might have driven by the church, so I think that's the closest we've ever come to the Arcade Fire. Well, thank you for providing with that information. That's amazing. Yeah, so if you want to go find them, go to Mount Sutton, look, at this, look, on the, look, to the, look to your left as you turn the corner on the 239. And you are Dave of... 
Pastilles. Wearing a... Fez. A fez, something that the 1960s-inspired frat rock band, the... Fez Tones. Wear when you play with them. Yes. Now, speaking of inspired 1960s rock, you guys played a kink convention? What was that? Uh, well, we, uh... David, myself, and Liam, and uh, Julian Brown from Apostle of Hustle came together to uh, take part in a, a tribute to the Kinks. And we, we did three songs, and uh, we had a really amazing evening playing Kinks music. The Fez Tones are going to make a new record soon, and it's going to be even better than Beeramid. Even though Beeramid is one of my favorite albums of all time, it's 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 going to be a great name too isn't it the Festones pyramid it's unbelievable it, have you heard Djibouti call yet it's incredible i know what blows me away is that those hieroglyphics on the cover uh, actually exist. They're actual ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, and True. beer was a big part of the, that civilization, evidently. Would you ever bust out a Fod and a Fez Tones cover in the stills, like as an encore or something like that? How would that go over, like if you open for Incubus? I think it would go over really well with us in the band, but I don't know. I don't I, think any of our fans know what gar- 60s frat garage rock sounds like. Well, it's up to you to educate them then. I, I, we should, but I don't know if they're going to like it. Now, you guys have some fans, but you also had some beef. When I talked to you a few years ago, there was that famous killer's beef. Whatever happened to the killer's beef? This is five years later. I'm asking about the killer's beef. Something, the guy in the killer's, Brandon, what did he say exactly about you? He said that we had no respect for the classics and yeah. that... Uh, is that what he said? He yeah. said that, yeah. And, and that we were not cool with them uh, when, when we played with them, when they opened for us. And I guess, you know, what came of that is that they became huge and... Uh, <laughs> we didn't become that huge. Have you had any interactions with them since that? Have you quelled the yes. beef? Yes. Uh, we saw Brandon uh, at, a, at a hotel in, in L.A., and he sort of stood around while we were hanging out with the Kings of Leon, and he kind of stood around, like, obviously wanting to say something, but he didn't, I guess, work up the nerve to quite come over because we, we left before he could. The Kings of Leon said that they would beat him up for us if we needed, if we needed it done. So you're still remembering the beef then? Well, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's okay five years later, right? Yeah, exactly. We're all laughing about it now, you know. There was also, when I interviewed you in 2004, the beef between you and Islands. Oh, yeah. Remember? Unicorns, the unicorns. The unicorns. How's that going? Islands, the unicorns, stills beef. We, we saw each other. <laughs> yeah. We saw each other recently, and uh, we quarreled and fought and argued. And, and so we're keeping the beef alive, actually. We're not, yeah, we're not things are going good. That was a fake beef over Ska, wasn't it? Well, I, yeah, I guess so, yeah. No, I think they actually don't like Ska, but, you know, we all know that that's stupid. Uh, we all know that that's stupid, but I think they were just trying to start something. You are pretty tough, aren't you? You are pretty tough. We can, uh, no. We're... You don't need Kings of Leon to defend you. Yes, we do. No, you don't. You played Detroit on election night. Uh, we yeah. did play Detroit on election night. That is a death wish, isn't it? You're playing the same night as the most legendary election ever. Yeah, that's true. And people came to the gig. People came to the gig, and actually, before we played, at the, it was at the Magic Stick. We all sat around uh, the pool tables, us and the audience, and we watched the TV, and, and you know, and he, he was elected. And then we went on five minutes after he was you know, declared president. So it was pretty epic. So you waited till he was declared president before going on? Yes. Yeah. That is really awesome, though, that you actually played because some bands just would have bailed on that night. Who booked that gig, Liam? <laughs> <laughs> Books your gigs. How did you get booked on election night in yeah, Detroit? Terrible booking agent. He's awful. 
Not true. He's great. Rob Zifarelli? <laughs> he's a shark. <laughs> if any idea that that was election night. Yeah. Uh, it went okay in the end. Yeah, it, it actually went really, really well. And, uh, I mean, if it had gone to McCain, I think that that city would have exploded and that we would have had to get gotten the hell out of there right away. We had, we had, we had planned to, to bolt if McCain won. We had planned, like, that we'd have to, like, pack up our gear and get out before we get burned alive. How about Canadian politicians? One time, I heard that Justin Trudeau was playing pool when the rock and roll band The Schmugglers were playing in Montreal. Have you ever had Justin Trudeau playing pool to the stills? Uh, not that we know of. It would be cool to, to have that on camera, Are but I don't smugglers? think so. No, I mean the evaporator. Yes, but you've played with the smugglers. Yes, we have. And actually at that gig, Justin Trudeau was playing pool. Really? And I guess I was wondering, if any politicians come to any of your gigs or any of the Kings of Leon big yes. gigs that you've played? Yes. Even British politicians? Um, well, we, we, did a, we did a gig with this guy, Paul McCartney, and uh, backstage there was um, Paul Martin was there, Jean Charest was there, and uh, there, was, there was a sort of A-list of the Canadian political scene kind of hanging around in various corners. And, uh, Do those guys understand how like, backstage works? Because they probably just want to get right to McCartney, don't they? Just wanted to get right down his pants. Yeah. And they couldn't figure out that they have to wait, right? No. They, yeah, they, they... They have to go after the stills. It was first the stills meet McCartney, then Jean Charest, right? Yeah, you know, that's, that's it. Because McCartney's cool and he knows that it's about musicians and not about uh, politics and all that even, crap. Even though Jean Charest and Jean Chrétien are probably very important, they, they weren't allowed to go up to him. He had so much security that they probably would have been shot if they would have walked up to him without... Without permission. What does a McCartney security person look like, and how do I apply? Uh, there's just they're kind of everywhere. Like you can't, you don't. They're everybody is McCartney security. Things in the ear, things in the ear. Yeah, everything. The whole deal. You can't really get. He doesn't really like walk by himself. Like you can't go near him or anything. Like there's there's just no way. He's too. You know, he's biblical. Yeah, he, he doesn't really need security people because when he walks through a crowd, it's like this sort of magnetic thing that pushes people away, you know, the opposite of a magnet. And he, it, like, people part like the seas when he walks by. Not to return to the Kings of Leon against Stills, and we're speaking here to the Stills in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, but did they help you get a gig at Microsoft? Was there some Microsoft gig that they helped you? Um, we did a commercial for this thing called a Zune, which is like Microsoft's iPod. And uh, we were going to be in this ad. We were in this ad. I don't know what happened with it, but they... They helped you out? They helped you get the gig? Like Kings of Leon got you a Microsoft gig and you got to go in a special elevator as a result? Yes. Special elevator? Chicago. Oh, yeah. Did you blog about that or something? Uh, there, you can go on the internet and see us riding the the last remaining uh, manually operated elevator in the city of Chicago. And this was brought to you all by the Kings of Leon, so the Kings of Leon got all this for you? They get Pretty. everything for us. Yeah. They, they give us everything. Yeah. I don't know. We don't even know what to give them. Yeah. We can't give them anything back. We give them back massages and, you know, uh, foot, foot, foot massages and, uh, you know, we tickle them and stuff. <laughs> Let's bring Liam out here for a second. Liam, are you still there? Still here. Liam, the keyboardist, organist. Oh, don't leave, Dave. Oh, the, some more tequila. Of the stills. Now, Liam, you played an after party, like an after party of the Kings of Leon, against the history of the Kings of Leon through the stills. You played an after party that was quite interesting in Hollywood? In Hollywood. Was there an after party that you played piano? 
Oh, I've played piano at several after parties. I don't recall. It was like a Hollywood after party after the Kings of Leon Steels gig. Do you end up playing the piano? Did you you entertain the crowd? That's what I was saying. I tend to. If there's a piano around and I've had enough wine, I'll generally just sit down at the piano. Was that like an L.A. gig? Wasn't there some big L.A. gig? In San Francisco, I recall, at their hotel. And so you just go around the piano? Just go around the piano. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where is this? And who are you again? I'm Oliver. Oliver, why don't you come on up, too? Stop holding back there. Oliver, what's going on here? Oliver of the... Stills. What's going on here? Where is this going? Uh, I think this might be going back to a maybe a show or a hang we had in Cleveland, perhaps, is what you're referring to? I, I know what you're alluding to. I know what you're alluding to. It's you, Yeah, we played in San Francisco, and we all have good times, and you read that in a blog, right? Probably. Yes, okay. But well, what you probably don't know is that uh, um, an unrelated incident about Liam and the piano occurred in Cleveland when, uh, why don't you tell it? I'd rather not. Maybe Oliver could. I'll tell it. I'll tell it. So Liam got, uh, we were out with our friend Steve Madden in Cleveland, Ohio, and then we met the old laser tech guy from Pink Floyd or some shit. And he, oh, come on, this, let's back up for a second here. You met the laser tech guy from Pink Floyd. That's incredible. It was great. And then he looked at Liam, and he was a big guy too, and he looked at Liam and he said, let's have a drinking contest. I bet I could outdrink you. But the guy was like 50, and Liam schooled him. The guy had to leave because he felt sick, and Liam won. But he was so drunk that when he got back to our hotel in Cleveland, he started playing piano in the lobby, but it was 5.30 in the morning. So the girl came up to him and said, could you please stop playing piano? And he said no. So then she called the cops, and the cops said, could you please stop playing piano? And he said no. So they cuffed him on the piano and threw him in jail. Now, the next day, we get a note under a door from the hotel saying, your friend's in jail. Go pick him up. So, like, bullshit. It's our friend Steve. He wants us to come and barbecue at his place. So... We call the number that was written down, and they're like, I'm like, yeah, I'm calling for Liam O'Neill. Apparently, he's in the drunk tank. And they're like, please hold. And then when she put me on hold, there was no music, no beeping sound. I was like, bullshit, it's Sarah. So we ended up going like, yeah, she's like, it's this address, blah, blah. So we write it into our, like, GPS thing, and we go, oh, shit, it's the Silver Lake County Municipal something. So we had to show up and pay, like, $300. 100 bucks. I know. I, and you, it was a hundred and some, like a hundred and ten dollars, and you said you had a great sleep. Yeah, yeah I slept really well in there. <laughs> when I got, when I was at the jail, I was like, I will. How much do you want for the mug shots? Because they had to take pictures of them. I was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars. He's like, you, know, my retirement's in three years. I can't do that. I'll get in trouble. I was like, two hundred dollars. I had it on me. I kept on bribing him to get the mug shots. I could never get them. He wouldn't but take the bribe. He wouldn't take the bribe. That is. I'll bet when he sees this interview, he'll he'll yeah, come so and call in. I thought we we were drinking that night though. We we drank. We got wasted on a boat and on on oh, the lake. Yeah, we went boating yeah, we, on Lake. Uh, boating on Lake. What is no, it? Erie. Erie. Erie yeah. Drinking and boating doesn't sound like it mixes. <laughs> it really does, because it takes just boating and it turns it into boating. <laughs> it does. Now that is incredible, Liam. That is dedication to the craft, isn't it? Going to jail for playing piano. That's, that's, you know, I like to think that I, I did a good thing. <laughs> like, there's really interesting things that happen on tour, but, like, that's, like, this not given up. Have you ever heard of anything like that happening? Never, never, never. You always hear, like, okay, you know, the bass player was drunk, he pushed a cop because he was being an asshole and he went to jail. It's always like that. It's never somebody goes to jail because they played piano. You can blame it all on Pink Floyd? Yeah. I guess you can. Yeah. So, doesn't it always come back to I Pink Floyd? Boating. 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 Oh. 
mad. Still, I was also curious about some of the gigs you played in Europe, again with Kings of Leon, because you've done a lot with Kings of Leon, the big gigs. What is the biggest gig you've played non-festival? Like, when you play with Kings of Leon, do they play an actual arena? Is it an actual arena that they play? Like, what are you playing in Europe with when you're on tour with them? Uh, when we played with them, like, a year and a half ago or two years ago, it was, like, really, really big uh, ballrooms to, like, I guess three, four thousand people. Five thousand was the biggest, I yeah. think. So, which is pretty sizable. But, in March, but now... In March, we'll hit the stadiums, yeah. So we're going to Australia and New Zealand with them, and it's all stadiums, I guess. So they really will fill a big stadium, like 15,000? Like 10,000 people a night. We didn't even, I didn't even know that we were playing stadiums until yeah. they told me the other day we were drinking at this place called Snackin' Blues. Yeah. We, it was that? That sounds good. Oh, yeah. You can smoke there. It's yeah. the best bar. You can and there's, there's even like a little table with cigarettes at the door when you walk. And sun chips. And uh, sun chips are really good. And tangerine, there's like clementines too. Yeah. They're really good. And I found out they, they were, were playing these 10,000 seaters. I didn't know they were that popular. You know? I, I just can't believe what I it. Found out, uh, just last week is that aside from ACDC, they're the biggest selling band in Australia this year. Who comes backstage at their gigs? Like when you were in England with them, was there any sort of Amy Winehouse or Baby Shambles? Have you played with Baby Shambles? No, we've never even seen. I saw Pete uh, Doherty. Apparently, it's pronounced Doherty over there. Uh, the only time I ever saw him was at the Columbia Hotel in London, oh, yeah. and they had, ju- <laughs> they had just washed the floors and put one of those yellow do not walk, and he walked in and he tripped over it. <laughs> and and it was it was around the time when he was in the press so much, and I was like. Poor guy. Did you see that happening, like when he was walking? No, I didn't see that. But I remember seeing, what was that guy, uh, Evan Dando or whatever? Lemonheads. Yeah, I remember seeing him in his pajama, like pink pajama pants going to the front desk complaining about something. And then our old guitar player, Greg, was like, dude, man, that's Evan Dando. I was like, okay. Like, I didn't really know who he was. And he was. to me at the Columbia Hotel? Somebody snuck into my room and put rotten oranges. And cookies. And cookies yes. under my, my sheet. Never found who it was. Never. And we never found out who it was. I don't know if it's any of you guys, but no. somebody came into our room and put rotten oranges and cu- crumpled cookies under our... And legend, is that bad? I mean, legend has it that that hotel is haunted. Yeah, so. so that's the going theory right now, is that... Now, that was in England that you guys were at. You're in England. But now you're in Canada. You're back in Canada. Back. We're back in Canada. And you have a new record label. Yes, we do. You left Vice Records. We did. And now you're on a record label that is quite interesting. Look what has happened to this record label that you're on. What magazine are they on the cover of right here? The Globe and Mail Small Business. Small Business. Like, oh, my God. What's going on? This is your record label, Arts and Crafts, on the cover of Small Business Magazine. Toogie, there's uh, Kieran, Kieran and Brent Jeffrey. And, uh, but you're missing from there. Why weren't the stills in that shot? I don't know if we were... Own shares in the yeah. company. Uh, I guess they these people, like, own it or something. I don't even know half of these people. They just got Maybe it's us. That's Kevin's dad. Uh, see, fall 2007. Yeah, we're, uh, we're actually on the cover of the uh, New York Times Financial Edition magazine uh, about two months ago. Uh, so we were... How do, how but that's know. New York. Well, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty but that's pr- this is amazing, though. Your record label on the cover of Small Business magazine. The future of music. Let us let us uh, take a scan picture of that so we can email it to them and make fun of them and put mustaches on their face. That would be great if you would let us. Now, Liam 
is looking at that because Liam has done better in arts and crafts, haven't you, Liam? Have I? Yes. It's all up to Liam, isn't it? It is up to Liam. <laughs> Liam has got you thirty thousand dollars. Uh, okay. Liam, you've got the band a lot of money, haven't you? Um, dozens of dollars. No, you have got the band. Liam has got the band $30,000. Are you going to present us with a check right now or something? No, I'm going to show the evidence right now. Here we have Report on Business Magazine, Small Business, the Globe and Mail, your record label on the cover. But when it really comes down to, it comes down to the keyboard player that goes to jail. He's the one that keeps the stills alive. I, 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 and Exhibit A and B are coming up right here. Here we have, right here, from Factor. What do we have here? <laughs> from Factor Grants. What do we have here? What do we have listed? Oh, Liam O'Neill, look at that. I'm going to tell them about that. And what, and what has Liam O'Neill done? I don't, did you just pocket that money yourself? No, that, that was a mis, that's a misprint. No, this is for a domestic tour grant. Liam O'Neill got the stills how much? $15,000. How much is the most on that actual list there? $15,000. No, you equaled them. Pacific. He got you just as much as anybody on there. In fact, way more than a whole bunch of other bands. That's true. Liam is half Jewish. Now you know. Okay. Now well, it doesn't end right there because check this out. $15,000 domestic tour. Let's look up international tour. How much money does Liam get you? That looks like 15000 again if I read right. Good job, buddy. Good job. $15,000 plus $15,000 equals? $30,000. $30,000. Who else got $15,000? Holy fuck. Oh, I remember. That, that was a problem that they got But that. you never got any problem because you did it through Liam. That's true. Yeah, that's and right. I'm, I'm half Jewish. But, but I just want to say congratulations, Liam. This is really amazing. 30... Records? Stomp... Who the fuck... Uh, who's Creep Who's Creep Show? They're a rockabilly band, and, but they only got 10000 But, Liam, I just want to show that a lot of people can give props to a record label like Arts and Crafts, but here you have the guy who plays keyboard in your band that you don't even want to do the interview to right off the beginning earns $30,000 for the band. He's a great man. Come on. So, He's one of my best friends. So where did all that money go? That's my question. Uh, well, this tequila. That really was the bail money, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, that was one of many incidents that involved bail. What do you remember about applying for this, Liam? You got all this money. Uh, the application process is, uh, is an easy one when you have a manager that does it for you. He just uses my name. I'm the proxy because I'm... Oh, you're just saying that. No, it's because he's, he's a heeb, much like myself, and so he needed to go to the right one in the band. I think it's amazing. 30000 A big round of applause for Liam. $30,000 for the rock and roll band Distills. And that, you can all get that info if you want on factor.ca. Yeah. <laughs> you can check on all the bands that get grants. It's quite interesting, actually. Wow. Awesome. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to go check. Yeah, me too. Stills, is Ryan Adams still on your side? Yes, we haven't seen him in a while. Uh, the last time we saw him actually was in Montreal, and we were on his tour bus, and he was listening to Slayer really loud after his show. Really loud. He's still rocking in the game, but he loves you guys, doesn't he? Because he, like, defends you that one gig years ago in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like, he got mad at the crowd because it was a bad review for the Stills. Yeah, he was really pissed off, and he, he was... Uh, he was Bitching out Paul Westerberg because Paul Westerberg had had sort of, uh, you know, said some bad things about him. But then he took that whole rant and he included us in it and he started defending us for someone nailing us in the press. And he wrote a still song once when he was really drunk and he got Liam to write down the chords. And, and we still have the sheet somewhere. He wrote a still song, said, listen, all right, I'm going to write a still song. 
And it was called Invisible Girls. Yeah. He's a true rock and roll crazy. He's amazing, isn't he? He just cranks it out and he goes crazy. He's extremely, what's the word? Uh, Extreme? Prolific? Prolific. Yes. Uh, there was Hornet, too. He started a band with Dave and Tim called Hornet, and they would open up for the stills. Uh, so, you know, they would all go on with black hoodies, and Ryan, what, was he playing drums? Ryan was the drummer. We were singing, and Tim was playing guitar, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. No, you mentioned Paul McCartney, but what about Joe Strummer? You had some interaction with Joe Strummer? Yeah, we did. I guess uh, maybe like five or six months before he passed, he played a show at the Spectrum in Montreal, and me and Dave waited around backstage. We really wanted to meet him. And uh, yeah, you were there too. And uh, That's when we were all in a band called The Dropouts with Mikey from Priestess, Priestess. Yeah. the rock and roll band Priestess. We were the band. Yeah. We were the Priestess band. Before we left, be and he found better musicians. Yes. Did you talk to Joe at all, or did you just get some autographs? Yeah, we, he gave us brandy, and he was listening to Dub. He was listening to King Tubby, and and uh, he was super welcoming. And he's like one of our biggest heroes, so it was really insane. But he was the nicest guy, and really, you know, made it a really warm, inviting experience. And we drank with him and chatted with him, and he. There was tons of people backstage, and he was just giving them all drinks and being the coolest guy in the world. And there's, a, there's a great story about that, too, because Mikey was supposed to come to the show, but two, three days like prior to the show, he kept on saying, ah, oh, my, my stomach hurts. So eventually his roommate went like that, and he was like, ah, oh. he was like, dude, your appendix is going to blow. You need to go to the hospital. And it was the day of the Joe Strummer show. So I got a poster, and I got Joe to, to sign. I said, Joe, man, my buddy's in the hospital. He can't come to your gig. And he wrote to Mikey from Joe Strummer, get well. And then after the gig, we went to the hospital and gave the poster to the nurse and said, make sure that it's up. Like when he opens his eyes from his operation, he sees the poster on the wall from Joe Strummer. And they did that. And then I got a call at like 10 in the morning. He's like, dude, man, thanks so much. I, I don't know what to say. And like he woke up and he had the poster. He still has it in his room yeah. to this day. I went, we jammed the other day. And, and oh, that's yeah. like the only thing he has up on his wall. Yeah. It wasn't long after that he died, right? Not long after. Like, no, it wasn't that long. You can get fat by eating turkey, and you guys played in Turkey. We did. <laughs> we did play in Turkey. We saw a guy put a cat in a garbage too. Was it a live cat? No, it was a dead cat. Was it a black cat? No, it was like a kitten. It had been flattened by a car. It was very flat. It was like yeah, it was like welcome to Turkey, and then you see that. It was literally on the drive-in. So welcome to Turkey, have a dead cat. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and four smoke. packs of cigarettes in one night. Jesus. Had many other bands played Turkey before? How did you get a gig in Turkey? Who booked that? Liam. Liam booked. Actually, did you did actually hook that gig up? Liam, come over here. Yeah. You, not only the thirty thousand dollars, you hooked up a gig in Turkey. And we got paid thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> How did that happen? Was that Canadian government thing? What was that? Uh, it was before we had government. It was before the government. It was uh, from my cruise ship days. You see, before I was in the stills, I played on cruise ships. I was a pianist in a lounge band. And, uh, you know, I met someone from Turkey. And they hooked us up with a gig. So you flew over just for one gig? Well, we made it a trip. We did London, Paris, Turkey. So three gigs? The triumvirate. You couldn't get any more? No, that's all we had. That's all we, had. That's all we could afford with our air, our air miles. Had any other bands played Turkey before? Had you heard of any other bands playing uh, Turkey? We were the very first band in history. We were the first band who did it, and we were so proud to be like, all right, screw all you other bands who get grants to go everywhere, and then Metric played Turkey, and we're like, oh. No, actually, Metric had played it like played six months uh, before uh, us. Yeah. But how did they get there? Through a grant? The, maybe. We weren't eligible for grants back then. 
How did Metric get to Turkey? They leapfrogged uh, off a grant and into Turkey. But why did they pick Turkey? Like, you picked it because of the cruise? Emily had a Turkish boyfriend for a while. She was dating a Turkish tour manager. And uh, and so I think that might be, that might have been our pipeline into Turkey as well. Maybe she hooked a gig up for us. What happened for real for us is that they had offered us the gig like a year and a half before, right when we had come back from a trip from Japan. And we had been offered a gig in... Uh, the Philippines and one in Turkey, and we were like, listen, we just need to go to sleep here for a few months. And so that's why we turned them all down then. Who else did you meet on the boat, on the cruise ship? Meet on the cruise ship? No one. Could you have the stills play the cruise ship? Would that work out? Yeah, pretty much. No, cruise ship. Yeah. When you played on the cruise ship, like, could you, like, hire the stills out to do the cruise ships? You know, working, you know, you worked on a cruise ship playing piano, right? I did meet Dylan. Not Bob Dylan. Not Bob Dylan. No, actually, I met a lot of gifted musicians there because there's so many different bands and stuff. And I met, actually, the drummer at the time of Anti-Ballas Orchestra, the Afrobeat band from New York. And he was just doing a fill-in gig for a couple of weeks, and we hung out a lot. And he ended up coming. He lives in New York, and he played all of the percussion on our newest record. You didn't go on any of those bare naked lady cruises, did you? They did that, didn't they? They did. I think they do that, like, once a year to pay the bills and... Well, could you guys do that? Like, have a stills cruise. Get Liam to set that up. I would love to do that. Mediterranean cruise with the stills. <laughs> Mediterranean, yeah. They're really into us around there. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Do you want to be in our band? <laughs> uh, well, Doherty is a keyboard player. So, I mean, it seems like Doherty is an accountant and a keyboard player and a guy that'll go to jail. There aren't really many spots left. Doot, doot, loot, doot. We're almost there. Well, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all stills? Anything else? Doot, doot, loot, doot. Well, thank you very much for the introduction. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much for asking me. That is very nice of you to ask. I am honored, yes. There's always a spot open, and even if the the position is not uh, defined yet, you can define it and come and fill it. Well, it seems like you have it filled quite nicely, all the way from extra large (laughs) to $30,000 from the Canadian government. Screw you, yeah. You know what's funny? I call him Slammer, and he ended up in the Slammer, so it's kind of fitting, too, you know? Well, thanks so much, Stills. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Down below was a mighty ruler and 
blacks play them drums for the pharaoh. Rich and ready, a little bass for the pharaoh. Ah, uh, you got it. Tip hazard. Let's hear those keys for the pharaoh. And I'm Fuad, and I'm playing guitar for the pharaoh. Are you? I'm Kathy Griffin, star of Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List. And Kathy, who'd you have beside you? Lily Tomlin, legend, icon, and uh, multi-award winning genius. Hello, Lily. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I'm on the D-List with you. We're on the D-List. Lily's not on the D-List. Cut that crap. But we're live on the D-List right now. We are live on the D-List. We're on the multi-Emmy award winning show, My Life on the D-List. It's true. Now, Kathy, the reason I'm on the D-List right now is Andrew WK. He set me up with you. What can you say about Andrew WK? He went on a date with you. Punk rocker, Andrew WK. Yeah, he was very, very sweet. I went to his performance artist show. He bled for me. When I interviewed Andrew WK, he bled for me. Oh, yeah? Himself as part of his, right. yeah. Pleasant. Do you have any message for him? A failed date with Andrew W.K.? Um, I, you know, I'm glad he wasn't bleeding at any point. So it wasn't that bad of a date. Bleed on your so, date. No, didn't bleed him. The date continues. I'm bleeding on you. The date lives on through Andrew W.K., me, Nerdware, human serviette. That's why I'm here. Uh, uh, bonjour, ça va. So the, you got it, the serviette, the human napkin. Yes. And here you are also with Lily. Do you speak any French at all? No, I, I, l- I look forward to that. Okay. Lily, I have a gift for you, because here we are in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, where Robert Altman did the movie McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Mrs. Miller, filmed in Vancouver. And guess what? You've been in quite a few Robert Altman productions, haven't you? Occasionally I have. And I have a gift for you. This is a tribute to the movie Nashville that you were in. Uh-huh. Done by some Vancouver Victoria artists, Carolyn Mark and Friends. DVD or, a, or just a... a see, it's a CD. It's a tribute to the soundtrack of Nashville. Oh, and so I'll be on here. Someone will be tributing me singing gospel. Such great tunes are out there in the movie Nashville. Canadian Connection. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Like that? A classic. Nashville tributed by some Canadians. Canadian Connection. I'm trying to hear it. Can no, we put it on? Is there any now? kind of a Canadian connection at all? Well, there is a big Canadian connection because you're in Canada and I'm afraid about giving that gift to Lily, Kathy Griffin. Why would you be? Because it's the movie Nashville and your good friend is from? Uh, my- your good friend from Nashville is? Andrew W.K.? No, Miley. Cyrus! Yeah, I was afraid it'll get you mad because when you think of Nashville, you think of... Miley Cyrus's demise. Yeah, what do you think about her dad taking her on dates? It's like the dad is accompanying her on dates. <laughs> I think the dad's living off her is more the story there. Now, one person of, that represents Canada, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Lily. Who represents uh, Danny Aykroyd. No, Celine... Deal. Celine Dion. Now, Kathy, I have a bit of bone to pick with you. I have a bone to pick with you. You rat on Celine Dion's husband. René Angelil. 
Now, Renee deserves some props. Check this out. This is Renee in his band, Les Baronettes. Which one? There he is, right there, Renee. Oh, C'est Renee? Oh. That is Renee. So he was in the game long before Celine, wasn't he, Kathy Griffin? Yes, I just think it seems odd that they were dating when she was nine years old or whatever. But still, he's been putting it out. He's been doing it. Like, will you give Renee some more props that he actually had a record, Les Baronettes? Oui, je regrette, Renee. Kathy, on CNN. Saudi Prince here. On C- Maybe that's what she thought. Have you guys met some Saudi princes? I have met one. Who's Sultan of Brunei? No, he was selling selling a house. Really? And he's there, he's actually there and says like, "Oh hi, Lily." Sort of in the background. No, he didn't. I don't believe he knew who I was. Interesting. And they just say, "Oh, this is the house of a Saudi prince. Do you want it?" They, the realtor told me it was the house of a Saudi prince. Well, of course, they love that crap. Kathy Griffin, you said some naughty words on CNN the other night, didn't you? Yes, I did. You insulted the Jonas Brothers. Yes, I did. I implied that the Jonas Brothers should be pelted with light, light-weighted objects. Now, you also did the ultimate sin. You called Wolf Blitzer. Boring. How dare you? Like, that is amazing. I've got a lot of nerve, that's how. But actually, it was a bit more than that, Kathy. You said, quote, knock the... Oh, I said um, during the commercial break... I know, I, okay. I heard it. <laughs> You said? I said, I don't go to your jobs and knock the dicks out of your mouth. Now, is that an allusion to the Mr. Show show? Because Mr. Show used that little quip. Have you seen that talk? No, no. Mr. Show was making fun of it the way I did as an old hack, hack response to a heckler. Like the old Borscht Belt comedians. It's like the oldest response to a, a heckler in the book. Well, I guess what I was wondering is, who invented dick? Is it- shovel out of you. I don't come to your job and kick the shovel out of your hand. Oh, that's a much... Cl- now, Lily, you know a lot about dicks, don't you? Quite a bit. You know a lot about dicks because you go all the way back to Dick Martin from Laughing. I do indeed. What's interesting, check out the front of this record, Kathy. It's amazing. What is happening at the front of this record? What word is in the front of this record of Laughing? He's Dick. He's Dick. So why is the word Dick okay to say in the 60s, but not okay to say now? It should be okay. Why isn't your picture on here? Because I wasn't on until the third Third year. year. Okay. Now, when you say the word dick on TV, you end up in the New York Times. That's true, and also worldwide. But actually, Kathy, you end up on the New York Times business section. Well, I'm good for the New York Times business section. Is that the ultimate D-list? Like, I made it! I'm on the front page. No, I'm on the business section of New York Times. Happy CNN got fantastic ratings. Now, you like punk rockers, don't you, Lily Tomlin? Because you actually played a punk rocker. Agnes Angst, didn't you? Yes, I did, but I'm not one. Did you actually work with 38 Special, the band? I did. I did um, a gig in Vegas. All right. I didn't even do stand-up at the time. It was myself, a, a race car, like a NASCAR guy, and the group 38 Special. And I went out and did 10 minutes of, I don't know what, I bombed horribly. You did? I did, but I was like, I was a spokesperson for Kenwood Stereos, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. Yeah. And so You th- can look at this camera here, too, if you want. It doesn't always have to be your show, Kathy. First time it's a I know. I, well, oh, I wish. Industrial was always a great gig. Um, but no, the... Um, yeah, but you worked with 38 Special, but Lily Tomlin worked with... you. You worked with somebody much cooler than that, Dr. Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento, yeah. Uh, that is pretty good taste, isn't it? Yeah, but that's... You asked for Dr. Demento. You exposed the world to Dr. Demento. I did, indeed. I, really? I have his collection of records. Yeah, I know. We used to listen to those records all the time. Really? Yes. You know who loves that? Straight guys lose their, their shoot for oh, that yeah. stuff. Kathy Griffin, Lily Tomlin, Lily Tomlin has a quote from Time Magazine. I worry about kids today because of the sexual revolution. They're going to grow up and never know what dirty is. 
Why are you shouting? We're right here. Well, I guess what I... Phones and everything. Well, I guess what I was wondering is, Kathy, do you know what dirty is? Well, I know the Christina Aguilera song, Dirty, with three R's. But who is dirty? Who is dirty? What do you mean by dirty, Lily Tomlin? Is Beyonce dirty? <laughs> dirty? Well, let's see. Well, it's not... There is no such thing today, so... You see, the, the, uh, that was an ironic statement. I'm sure you get that. Well, I loved it because it played right into Kathy. Like, Brittany, Brittany, dirty. Is, is she dirty? She's still a little bit dirty, yeah. Now, the ultimate dirty, is this dirty? Okay, is this dirty right here? The Kim Kardashian DVD. Is this dirty? Notice I put it in a bag. Yeah. Okay, yes. Kim Kardashian <laughs> should be in a plastic bag. I don't mean her body. I mean just her work. Uh, but not her head. Well, I don't want to catch anything. And you've talked about these types of things, haven't you, too, Lily? Like hamburger helper in the bedroom. You've talked about that. Yeah, hamburger helper in the boudoir. And what I was wondering is, lastly here, winding up, here we have a picture of me. This is me. Who could I possibly, Kathy Griffin and Lily Tomlin, who could I possibly be emulating right here? Lily and Kathy, you might know. Somebody was on the show laughing. Uh... Beats me. I was trying to imitate. I want to know what you can tell me about the gentleman. Just lastly, if you could leave us here with some Sammy Davis Jr. Oh. stories. That was that was what I was trying to do. Replica of Sammy. I don't know why I didn't recognize it. Maybe it was the it's plaid jacket. especially the hair is so similar. Yeah, and the glasses Did you are. Love Sammy Davis Jr. Oh yeah. Was he great? The oldsters always have great stories, like Carrie Fisher. You know, Princess Leia. Princess Leia. She claims her dad Eddie. Fisher ate his hearing aid thinking it was pills. Sounds good to me. Could that not happen? Is that one of the weirder Hollywood things you've heard, Lily? I don't believe it's true. It sounds really good, though. I want to believe it. Like, it's It'd be fun if it was true. But something it... Carrie would make up. All right, now I have Eddie Fisher's uh, autograph, so put that in your Pipe crotch. Boom. And lastly here, you're moving all the way from Richmond, British Columbia, Canada, Kathy Griffin, all the way to where? The A-list? No, next, Madison Square Garden. Yes, Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Here we are at a restaurant in Richmond, British Columbia, Canada. I know. I'm so nervous to do the wrong answer, even if it's about my own life. So what? I, then screw it. Okay, yes, I'm going, I'm going to the garden after this. Um, Madison Square Garden, is it the arena or the theater? Is it like the big thing? It's the theater inside the arena, arena 5,600 seats. It's called the, it used to be called the Wamu Theater, but I don't even know if they folded. Oh, boy, you mean they have a smaller theater inside yes, Madison Square Garden? it's a nice, garden. intimate, it's not like, you know, where the Knicks play. Yeah. And to remember me in Canada, we have a parting gift. So as, Square as I gave Lily the soundtrack to the movie... Nashville. Nashville by some Canadian artists. I thought I would give you a gift of me, Kathy Griffin, my stripping pen. This is me stripping. No, no, I want one. All right, this is my gift to Lily Tomlin. But you didn't even look at it. Strip. I don't. When Lily wants something, I just give it to her. I don't. Shows, is that really how? Well, actually, you've been on a, quite a few shows with Lily, or have you? Is this the first time you? This is like a partial strip. Well, the ch people get offended by the chest hair. You don't want to see that right now either, do you? You don't want to see the chest hair right now, do you? Not on a woman. Or on me. No. Because I could show it to you right now. I was going to say, though, you know Lily quite well. And this is pretty amazing. Like, in Canada, you come to Canada, you meet Lily. Had you met Lily before? Briefly, but not got to really spend time like that. And you come to Canada and you meet Liza Minnelli. Uh, yes, I met her last year as well. First time. So Richmond is really pretty magical. Or the Mecca. It all really comes together. <laughs> but my last question here is, how come Coolio isn't here? He's always on your shows. How many times have you been on a show with Coolio? We couldn't book him. He's too big. But how many times have you been on a show with Coolio? You have been quite a few. Like Not enough. I think I've worked with Coolio like three times. Like on New Year's Eve he was there, wasn't he? Is he related to Julio? <laughs> <laughs> Never checked.
No, he, he's the guy, what is it, Gangster's Paradise is a song. Right. And I think he opened up for Ice-T. I learned that while watching an interview with you. Like, when I learned about Kathy Griffin, I learned about Coolio. Tom, you have to just take him away at some point. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate the time. Anything else you want to add to the world out there at all, Kathy Griffin? Yes, I'm bouncing you from your own interview. Well, thanks much, Kathy Griffin and Lily Tomlin. Keep on rocking in the free world and do-do-do-do-do. Do-do.